titled my message this morning, and I'm going to be very brief this morning. You're going to get enough preaching if you're a faithful church member next Sunday through Wednesday to cover you for a few months. It's going to be a revival atmosphere. But what I want to do this morning, what I believe the Spirit wants me to do, is prepare the atmosphere for revival. And I want to talk to you this morning about when heaven touches earth. Religious people always say they want revival, and, and, and we as Christians, even devout followers of Christ, we always say we want revival. But what you need to understand this morning is you are a revival. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. You are a walking, talking embodiment of the King, if you know Jesus Christ. Revival can't begin without you. So you have to get things stirring in your own life for us to experience a move as a church. It's not always about what happens on this stage. Many times it's about what's happening in the prayer closets of God's people, what's happening in the personal lives of God's people. We, we don't wait for a certain preacher to have revival. We don't wait till Sunday to have revival. We are a revival. And we have the Spirit of God, and greater works we will do is what Jesus said. And many times, because we don't live for him and live in him every day, we long for a certain move of God, a mountaintop experience. But the reality is, once you've been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you become a revival. And if you become a revival, you don't have to wait for conference, revival, drive here, hear this movement, hear that preacher, get prayed for by this famous person. If you've got the Spirit of God stirring on the inside of you, friend, you are a move of God waiting to happen. And when you speak, demons tremble. When you walk into your place of business, Jesus knows you're there. The devil knows you're there because you were a light and you were shining your light. So I encourage you to begin to stir up the gifts in you this week as we lead into Advance 22. If you want to see a great move of God, it begins with an expectation. You will have what you expect to have. You will walk where you expect to walk. You will see what you expect to see. It's about your mindset. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. It, the, the thing that I don't believe gets preached about it enough is the training of the mind. If you can set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things, like it says in the book of Colossians, then you can truly accomplish anything. But the enemy wants to come in your mind and tell you you're no good, not good enough, not smart enough, not gifted enough, not pretty enough. That's a lie. You are created in the image of God, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It doesn't matter if you're chained to a Roman guard. It doesn't matter if you're in jail. If you're going through a, a tough time in your life, God will use you. He will use you if you will submit to him. It's about expectation, and that expectation then leads to experience, and that experience leads to you becoming an example to others. What I see happen a lot of times, especially in charismatic churches, and I am a charismatic, I'm a Holy Ghost-filled guy, but what I see a lot of times is we live for the experience, then we go down. And we live for the experience, then we go down. Up, down, up, down. I think there's a country song, up, down, up, down. I, you know, that's the way we do. Jesus didn't die for us to be a walking, talking, emotional roller coaster. He died for us to have the freedom that is Christ Jesus and walk in the fullness that is Jesus. So I believe heaven can touch earth again. I believe heaven 
touches earth when we do a few things. And I just want to mention those things to you. The first thing that I believe moves God's hand and his heart, and we don't do it enough, is prayer. It is prayer. We're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us, according to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But earlier in that same chapter, he teaches the disciples how to pray. And you've heard the Lord's Prayer many times, and I'm not preaching on the Lord's Prayer today, but just to remind you, our Father who art in heaven. So the first thing that must happen in our prayer lives is we must petition the Father in a spirit of unity. Everybody say unity. He's our Father. He's not just my Father. He's our Father. There's someone in another country today passing the bread and the wine. He's their Father. There's people that look different than you. He's our Father, not just my Father. He's our Father. So we petition the Father first in a spirit of unity. Then hallowed be thy name. So we don't not only petition the Father in a spirit of unity, we call on his name to worship his majesty. His majesty, he's worthy to be praised. So when we talk about magnifying the Lord, when you begin to list the attributes of God and when you pray and you begin to call him Jehovah, Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Shalom, my peace, when you begin to go through these things, that he is your creator, that he is your banner, that he is your righteousness, that he is Jesus, your savior and the king of all kings, when you begin to talk to Jesus about who he is and worship him, things begin to change. And then it says... Your kingdom come. So we not only call his name to worship his majesty, we invite the kingdom to come for the purpose of divine destiny. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it says, give us today our daily bread, forgive us of our debts. We have to petition him for the sake of his divinity. We need to understand that he is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that he is our covering, our confidence, that he is the Son, the finished product, that he has forgiven our sins, that he is Holy Spirit, he is divine momentum, he is the greatest Google search of all times because he searches all things, he knows all things. If you don't have the answers, God does. We just need to call on his name, and yes, we can ask him for our daily bread, but we can also ask him for the ability to forgive people that have hurt us. See, some people go around and they're a victim all the time. They're a victim all the time. Let me tell you something. We've all had unfair things happen to us. I could bore you to death for two hours about my stuff. You can tell me about yours. But at some point, you've got to put your stuff under the cross and let the blood of Jesus cover it and decide through the Holy Spirit you're going to move on and do something with your life for Jesus Christ. Everybody's got a reason not to. But Jesus is looking for some people where he's the reason they're going to. We've got to be willing to follow God. Forgive us our debts, and we have forgiven our debtors. We must look within. Look within for the purpose of maturity. Yes, we petition him for the sake of divinity, but we look within for the purpose of maturity. God wants us to grow up. God wants us to grow up. We shouldn't have to beg you to come to revival. Don't hit me. Shouldn't have to beg people to come to church. God wants us to grow up. The spirit will mature us. That's what it means. It brings us to completeness. It brings us to fullness. God wants us to grow up in the things of the Lord. You know, some people live their whole life. It's about the salvation experience. Friend, that's the beginning. Being born again, is that's a birth. You've got to have some milk and some food and some, to grow and experience things in this kingdom or you're going to miss the kingdom. Salvation is the beginning. And it says, lead us not into temptation. So not only do we 
petition him for the sake of divinity, look within for the purpose of maturity, but we got to recognize the enemy for the purpose of victory. You see, the devil is a liar. He is a murderer and he is a thief. To pretend he doesn't exist is foolishness. You need to have a fear of the Lord and you need to have a healthy respect for the enemy so you'll know when he's trying to attack you so you can remind him of what happened at Calvary, that he's been defeated, that he's under the blood, that his final resting place is in a lake of fire, that no weapon formed against us can prosper, that we can pull down strongholds, that we can walk in the fullness and the freedom that is Christ. Listen, we have the victory. We just have to claim it, amen? So prayer invites heaven to touch earth, number one. We need to pray more as a staff. We've had the church open Monday through Wednesday from 9 to noon the last few weeks. I've been in here three or four times by myself. I know some other people have come. But listen, we ought to be on our knees praying for our families, our country, this church, our city, our elected officials, our first responders, the people who are in poverty, the people who are hurting, the people who are in the hospital today fighting for their lives. We, we need to be praying for the things of God's kingdom. Jesus prayed. He called us to pray. And we're so busy that we, we forget to pray. Different kinds of praying. Intercession is when you pray on behalf of someone else. Supplication is what I like to call the supply and demand factor. When you pray, you expect God to move. You expect him in accordance with Philippians to supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. It's one thing to pray on behalf of someone. Jesus prays on behalf of us. He sits at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says, and he lives to make intercession for us. Then you have supplication. This means when I pray, I'm not going through a religious ritual. I really believe God's going to heal me. I really believe God's going to do something for me. I really believe I'm going to get the promotion. I really believe that God's going to bring me through this hard season. You've got to believe that God is a man of his word and he does not lie. Intercession, supplication, and thanksgiving. We need to be thankful for what God has done. Then in Ephesians 6, when it says put on the whole armor of God, it says praying in the Spirit. Let me tell you something. There are different kinds of tongues, and we learn what those tongues represent and what they mean. There is a prophetic tongue for the church where you need an interpreter, but there is a tongue that can be prayed in private that is your love language with God, with your love language with Jesus. It's a language that the devil and his demons can't interpret. I love it what Paul said to the Corinthian church. He said, listen, I wish y'all spoke in tongues, but even more so that you prophesied because again, you got to grow up. You get a spiritual language that's your intimacy with God. But when you get to the right level in the kingdom, then you get to start speaking on behalf of God. That means something's happened in your private prayer closet that's so profound that now God trusts you to speak on behalf of him. So you can't just be focused on the tongue or focused on the experience. It is a journey. The key is keep moving with God. But if you don't have that language, ask God for it. Listen, it's not a magic trick. You got to speak, worship, ask, and get on with it. Nobody's going to grab your mouth and make you do something you don't want to do. You got to get along with God and worship God and trust that the Spirit will do what the Spirit does. Prayer invites heaven to touch earth. Worship invites heaven to touch earth. Worship is not about uh, our style of music. Worship is about sacrifice. Worship is about being willing 
to serve something greater than that of ourselves. Worship is about truly lifting up the name of Jesus, moving to a place where, where you're not concerned what everybody thinks. I love to pick on Samantha. You know, she's been singing with me for 15 years. And the only thing we've ever had to really work with Samantha on is Samantha has such a walk with God. I'm serious. She loves the presence of God. If you don't know that, you're not spirit-filled. She loves to be in God's presence. But we taught her, Samantha, you can't just close your eyes and be in an audience of one when you're leading people. You do that in private. You've got to look at these people because you're leading them to the throne now. But I tell you this, the reason I love Samantha, I'd rather have somebody caught up in his presence than somebody caught up in performance. I'd rather have somebody caught up in his presence than caught up in performance trying to get up here and go through the routine. Give me some people who want to worship God. Give me some people who want to cry. Give me some people who lay down at the altar and pray and believe God for something. I'm not looking for a bunch of religious people. I want to see people who want to see God's hand in his heart move. Worship invites heaven to touch earth. When we worship, things happen. So leading up to advance, I encourage you to get in your prayer closet. I encourage you to worship. Miracles happen when heaven touches earth. Miracles happen when heaven touches earth. You know that miracles aren't miraculous to God. That's just who God is. When you invite his kingdom to enter into your body, your life, your workplace, it's going to be miraculous because that's who he is. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, when he turned the water to wine, did all that. He didn't go, hey, Peter, I turned the water to wine. I'm a miracle worker. No, it's who he is. So when you invite Jesus the King in on your life, miraculous things will happen that cannot be explained. How many of you would just give God a shout of praise that would say, God has done some things for me that I don't deserve and that I can't explain? Hallelujah. I know that's happened in my life. I know it's happened in your life. That's who Jesus is. And when ministry turns miraculous, we have to look at what our role is in the miraculous. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John. And he led them up to a high mountain. And there he was transfigured. You had Elijah there. I mean, things were happening. He, his body glue became like sun. And they saw this wonderful thing. And just before that, he had announced that he would die for them and and. The apostle Peter was arguing with him and he, he had to tell Peter, hey man, I know you love me, but dude, I'm trying to do something. Get behind me. You're messing things up. And he's in there in this amount of transfiguration and, and this glorious time where heaven touches earth takes place. And here's, you know, I think I relate to the apostle Peter because Peter's kind of a big mouth. You know what I'm saying? Peter kind of always says stuff and it's like he doesn't think before he speaks. Anybody got that problem other than me? He just says stuff. And so God has moved. Heaven's touched earth. Jesus is here. You know, you've got this transfiguration going on. And Peter says, listen, let's build tabernacles and let's memorialize this site here at Mount Hermon, which if you go to Israel with me, we will go there. But let's memorialize this site. Let's build tabernacles. Let's make it religious. <laughs> Jesus said, no, we're not staying here. We got to go down the mountain. To the valley. See, let me tell you this. When God does something miraculous for you, he's not looking for you to stay up on the mountain in a spiritual haze. When God's done something for you, he's looking for you to go down that mountain and go to the people 
and be a miracle, a walking, talking revival to the people. Because what happened? As soon as they came down the mountain, a father came to Jesus. He said, hey, my son's demonized. He's having seizures. He's an epileptic. I need you to heal him. And Jesus got frustrated with the disciples. He sure did. With, with, his, with his inner three, he got frustrated with them because they'd just seen God's glory. Then they're faced with a demonic situation and they're tongue-tied. They don't know what to do. And so Jesus, again, casts the demon out, heals the man's son. Because after that experience on the mountain, I believe Jesus was expecting them to walk in greater authority. But they didn't. See, when God does something for you, he's expecting you to operate in a greater level of authority. When God does something supernatural for you, comes through for you, he's expecting you to then be a blessing to someone else. Can I get an amen? He's expecting you to go beyond yourself and help someone else. To go the extra mile, to forgive. Miracles happen. When heaven touches earth, ministry turns miraculous. You see, many of us want to go to the mountaintop. But sometimes we got to come off the mountaintop. As a pastor, I deal with two kinds of people. Those who are scared of the mountaintop and those who want to stay on the mountaintop. Seriously, those who are scared to go too far. I don't want anybody thinking I'm weird. Hey, you believe a virgin gave birth? A guy got up out of a grave, hung around 40 days, ascended to heaven, coming back on a horse? You're already nuts. All right, you're already crazy. So you might as well not worry what anybody thinks. All right? You're already crazy. And speaking in tongues won't make you any less crazy. You're already crazy, amen? All right. We will not experience God's power if all we do is worship, but we never witness telling people about Jesus. And I want to encourage everybody that feels like you're called to be a pastor. Because we throw that title around loosely here. If you're not into winning souls and sharing the faith of Jesus Christ, you're not called to be a pastor, according to the Word of God. You're not a pastor. It's okay. I wouldn't wish being a pastor on anybody unless they're called to it. But if you're not a soul winner, if all we do is worship, but we never witness and share of the good news of Jesus Christ, we're going to miss God's best. If all we do is witness, but we never take time to worship God, we're going to miss God's best. A miracle is something beyond the natural. It's supernatural. It's who God is. A miracle is something beyond the ordinary. It's extraordinary. It's something that happens outside of the scope of what we expect. It's beyond possible when it comes to man's wisdom. But nothing is impossible for God. And if you need a miracle, I believe... The expectation for that starts today. I love what it says, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, listen, we do speak a message of wisdom among the mature. In other words, if you're not really filled with the Holy Spirit walking with Jesus, you're not going to understand the kingdom. But not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord Jesus Christ of glory. And then it says, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, no human has ever conceived what God has in store for those that he loves. 
Let me tell you something. We talked about prayer. We talked about worship. We talked about miraculous ministry. But if you want to see heaven touch earth, you need to operate and function in the character of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. It goes on to say that the Holy Spirit searches all things, that the Holy Spirit knows a person's thoughts, that the Holy Spirit knows what you need to do to get out of the mess you're in. The Holy Spirit knows who you need to connect with, who you need to marry, what you need to invest your money in. The Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you, but you got to get out of the way and allow the Spirit of God, not human wisdom, to carry you. The character of Jesus is revealed when heaven touches earth. If we talked about prayer, worship, faith, let's talk about love. On this great 9-11 Memorial Day, we think of sacrifice. We think of people who gave their lives for the greater good. We think of firemen and first responders that saw buildings on fire crumbling, and instead of running from death, they ran towards death because of their love for humanity and for many of them, their love for Jesus. They decided that the greater good was more important than even their own lives. Don't you know, friend, that's the difference in Christianity and all other religions? Jesus did that for us. We deserve punishment. We deserved hell. We deserve judgment. But Jesus Christ was crucified and took our place on a bloody cross so that we might be forgiven, have eternal life, have kingdom purpose on earth. He changed the history of humanity forevermore as a fulfillment of prophecy by not only dying on the cross but being raised from the dead. The character of Jesus. So if you want heaven to touch earth, yeah, you need to pray. Yeah, you need to worship. Yeah, you need to believe in the supernatural by faith, but how about love? I've had people say, man, you know, Pastor Ronnie, you know, you used to just be very political years ago, and I still vote. And listen, <laughs> I've been to the White House, met the vice president, prayed for the senator, prayed for the governor twice, and just prayed for all our newly elected officials, and I'm not political anymore. Y'all aren't figuring this out, so let me just draw you a little diagram. See, I'm a part of a kingdom that's a lot bigger than the Republicans and Democrats, and I ain't wasting my time fooling with you people fighting all the time because I'm trying to see people saved. I'm trying to see a move of God so Jesus can come back. My faith's not in a president, a governor. I pray for him, but that's not where my faith is. My faith is in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And don't think for one second I don't know eschatology. I preach through Revelation. I know when Jesus is coming according to the events, not the day, but the events. And I have a belief on these things. And I know we're in a mess in some areas. But I have the faith that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I don't have to get bound up by all that. Because I'm seeing God move more as I love people and as I try to change hearts instead of change minds, I'm seeing people call me, ask me things, call other minister friends of mine, invite us to the table to pray or, or to speak or to give counsel because I believe love is our greatest weapon. Yes, we need to pray. Yes, we need to worship. Yes, we need to stand for righteousness and stand for the truth and vote right. However, I believe that love still 
changes things and that it still never fails. Agape love, serving those sacrificially that can give you nothing in return is still a game changer. Jesus gave us the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's the basic thing he told us to do. The greatest thing we can do is love people. And then he gave us a great commission. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't say baptize them in the name of Republican, Democrat, and Independent. Oh, y'all, this is making y'all mad. Oh, good. Let's keep on. Good. Hey, we got to stand up for the Bible. We got to stand up against evil, but I'm telling you right now, the Holy Spirit has the ability to change this. He's changing it. God's people are rising up. We have to get back to the fundamental truths of God's Word and do what He's called us to do. The great commandment, the great commission, all but great compassion. Jesus operated in great compassion. Woman been married five times, had a reputation of being a slut, and he wasn't even supposed to be talking to her because she was from a different race. He wasn't supposed to be talking to her because she was a woman. She was ashamed, but he decided to save her, and she didn't stay in that experience. She went back and became a preacher of the gospel in her own right, a soul winner. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ was moved, the Bible says, with compassion. When's the last time you had compassion on somebody in bondage or sin? You don't know what their childhood was like. You don't know what they were raised in. I found that many and most miserable people, they didn't decide to be miserable. The enemy got involved in their life as a child. And something told them they were not worthy or not good enough. And their mind got warped. And they've become miserable. And they're inflicting anger on their, their, their own soul because they're miserable. You don't need to engage in a fight with someone broken like that. Be moved with compassion. And allow the Holy Spirit to use you to bring people out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I believe God can do it. I believe God wants to do it through this church. I believe God wants to do miraculous signs and wonders and mighty works in this place in accordance with the book of Acts. Let me define the miraculous for you, and we're going to land this plane close today. In the New Testament, there are four main Greek words used to identify something as a miracle. The first one is dunamis. You've heard us preach that. We get our word dynamite from it. It means power, supernatural power, explosive power, used in Acts 10, verse 38. And it says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. The reality is in this culture, we need God's presence, but we also need his power. You cannot accomplish anything. You cannot change anyone without the power of God. You need the power of God. Amen. Somebody shout power in this place. Y'all shout louder. I'll preach it quicker. Amen. Power, dunamis, explosive, church-building power. The next word is ergon. When speaking of Jesus, it's used also in John 5, 36. We get our word ergonomics from this word. This means 
being willing to do the mighty works, the dirty works, the things that nobody else wants to do. Be willing to love on someone that's homeless. I know some of our members, they're going down, they're doing it out of their own pocket, they're going down and they're, they're giving uh, sandwiches and chips and, and, and waters to people who are on the streets every weekend. They didn't ask the church to help, but we're going to. They just started doing it out of their own pocket. But someone's got to get down to the dangerous places where people are and love them. That's the dirty word. But I'm telling you, you say, well, that, that was talking about Jesus, all that power. and Yeah, but in John it says we're supposed to do these things. And that greater works we will do. So you've got to tap into those mighty works. You've got to tap into that dunamis power. God will do it for you. Then the third word is the word terrace. And this speaks of unusual manifestations that cause people to be astonished. Happened in Acts chapter 2, verse 43. It says, Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs occurred by the apostles. Every now and then, the Holy Spirit will move in such a way that it'll freak religious people out. And I think God likes to scare religious people. I mean, I get pleasure out of it sometimes. I, you know, I, when I was a kid, I knew more of the Bible than a lot of religious people, even as a kid. And I wasn't living right, but I would purposely aggravate them with the word just to mess with them. It was fun for me. That wasn't very godly, but I wasn't really saved back then, so it doesn't count. It's under the blood, amen? But now it, it astonishes me <laughs> when I cross a religious person, you know. I, you, can, you can hear the tone in their voice. You, you can even see it. They you know, they're, they're so, in, so in bondage. So in bondage in their own little box. They've made God so small that he can only fit in their box. He's so much bigger than that. Let me tell you, he's bigger than a Catholic. He's bigger than a Baptist. He's bigger, bigger than a Pentecostal. He's bigger than the church you were raised in. He, he's bigger than your grandmama's theology. He is a big God. He created the universe. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. Don't you ever put God in such a small box that he can't move. He's bigger than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And he'll do big things in your life. Finally, the word Simeon, the fourth word to describe the miraculous, means to give a sign as evidence of divine authority. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, he says three out of these four words. He speaks of Jesus and says, Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. The New Living Translation puts it this way. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. They were done by Jesus says in Acts 6 that Stephen who ended up becoming a martyr was full of God's grace and his power and he did great wonders and miraculous signs you know problems are solved when heaven touches earth how many of you say Pastor Ronnie I need heaven to touch earth in my life I have an area I need God to move in on would you stand on your feet today listen before we do anything if you're listening to this message and you're lost, you've got sin in your life, you don't know God, you don't have a peace with God, let's get that out of the way first because it's the most important thing you'll ever do or think. If you need Jesus and you're lost, 
Just pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. If you prayed that prayer in in just a moment, I want you to come to the next steps table and tell us you prayed to receive Christ. We'll baptize you in a few weeks. We'll help you get started. We'll help you find a place to serve. That's the most important thing. If you're watching online, there's a pastor there that will help you get started in your relationship with Christ. But for many of you, I know you're saved. I just wonder if today, if we could fill this altar up with people crying out for the Lord in prayer, worship, believing for the miraculous, believing for problems to be solved and miracles to happen. So I want us to go into a time of worship. And I just want to begin with a word of prayer. And then I'm going to come down and worship and pray. But I want some of God's best to join me today. And let's weep at the altar again. Let's pray and believe God to move again, to change our hearts so that we may be a walking, talking revival. Would you lift your hands up in this place? Heavenly Father, we invite your spirit to move, to heal and deliver right now. Would you heal people today? Lord, I know you've already saved people, but would you not just heal them? Lord, would you show them a glimpse of their future out of the chains that the enemies had on their lives? Father God, we come against every demonic attack on your people. Devil, you're a liar, you're a murderer, you're a thief. You have no legal standing in this house. By the blood of Jesus, we command you to leave. And we declare a great harvest of souls and kingdom advancement will take place in the coming days. So, Father, I declare right now that it's a new day. Everybody shout, it's a new day. It's a new day in the kingdom of God and we're moving forward. Would you join me up here for some ministry and come pray with your pastor today?